keep praying for more, more opportunities, Lord, that you might bring across our path. And today we're going to hear about one of those opportunities from Jeff and Renee Smith. I'm just getting to know this couple, and I said, you've got to come and share at Union Hill the story of God's call on your life. Alliance Church Planters, they'll tell, tell part of that story now, looking to a whole new field. And as we hear and listen to them, would you pray, God, what are you asking of me? Uh, you're sending some in a way that maybe you could never imagine, uh, but one step at a time. One, Lord, what is it today that you have for me? We want more of your heart, Lord. Speak to us. So, Jeff, Renee, why don't you come and join me? Be ready to give the story and the call you'll hear is clear in their life. And it's a scary prayer when you start to pray, Lord, what more, what more do you have for me? What can, I, what can I do today to serve you? And you keep praying that prayer. And sometimes it turns out in ways that you wouldn't expect. And so we have an opportunity now, we feel, to just pray and ask God, Lord, is there something we can do to support and help this couple? They're serving right now in Valley Church. It's a sister church of ours in Renton. It's a part of our network. But from Houston to Renton to Zimbabwe. Tell us about this story. Welcome. So glad you guys are here with us today. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Right now, Valley Church is missing their drummer and their piano player. We're grateful to have been able to follow along with you guys online. We've been marching along in Acts with you. We didn't tell you we were, but we have been, and we just want to say thank you for pastoring us from afar. And it's really nice to be marching through Acts with you all as well. You're about to hear one of my favorite stories from one of my favorite people in the world. Um, And I hope that our history sounds both uh, eerily familiar and is comforting to you. So um, please give us grace in this moment. We know that these words need to be redeemed as well. And that uh, we hope that they land softly on your hearts, but also call you along with us to do the next step. So without further ado... My dear wife, Renee. (laughs) Well, I was born and raised in Vermont to a Christian family, strong Christian parents. We went to the small Baptist church out in the country. It was white with a white steeple, stained glass windows. Beautiful. I love my family heritage. I grew up as a farmer's daughter. My parents were dairy farmers. Um, When I was growing up, I didn't really appreciate that very well. The older I get, the more I appreciate that. And my dad was a 13th generation dairy farmer. Um, About 95% of my family still lives in the same three towns um, in central um, Vermont. But Jeffrey was born um, to uh, church planting, um, father and mother. And he spent most of his growing up in Ohio, near the Cleveland area. And um, I started attending the church that his parents were pastoring um, in the city closest to us in about 2010. Um, My parents had decided to go to this church, and I went along with them. And shortly um, um, before that, Jeffrey had actually moved to be with his parents um, in Vermont. And he was back in the sound booth. He was like his dad's right-hand man. He did all the AV, technical kind of stuff. And I was doing the worship um, side of it. So we were together every Sunday morning for several hours. And um, he was actually friends with my father first, which 
is very key, ladies, into finding the right man for you. I keep telling my daughter Layla this. If daddy does not like the man that you want to marry, then you need to listen and heed him. Obviously, if he is a godly man who's, you know, following the ways of the Lord. Um, And so my dad kept nudging me to talk to him. My mother was like, don't put pressure on her. Leave her alone. But anyways, we started talking. Our very first date was... um, a crisis pregnancy center annual banquet that he helped his dad take care of running the sound booth and stuff. And I just tagged along. Um, Fellas, I don't recommend that <laughs> part of it. I don't know what month that was, but in October we started hanging out. We quickly crossed over to dating, I guess at some point. We were engaged in about February or March, and we were married in June. Um, and it was the best thing that happened to either of us. Um, we don't have time to talk about all that today because we're here to tell you how that brought us to be missionaries in Zimbabwe. Um, so, uh, one of the reasons why I married him was because he was not a farmer. I did not want to be a farmer. I did not want that life to raise a family as wonderful as it was and all the, um, characteristics and the values that it instilled in me as a person. But I didn't want that. Um, so we got married, and Jeffrey um, already had a degree in biology. wasn't really sure how that was going to support a family. Um, he decided to go to nursing school, um, what took him two years. Um, our goal was to be a one-income family. He tells a story different than I do, but regardless, we both were raised that way, and we wanted to raise a family that way if we could make that work. So going to nursing school was a way that we thought that that would be able to happen. So he did that. We started a family. Children, you don't have to come up front, but you do have to stand in case everybody doesn't know that you belong to us. Layla's our daughter. She's 13, almost 14, and Seamus will be 12 in a couple months. Um, You can sit down now. One of each, um, that's it. Um, So we started having a family, and uh, we had talked about moving from Vermont. While it was beautiful and glorious and all of our family was there, the cost of living was really high. Hello, Seattle. Um, And we just couldn't see how we could make it work, couldn't afford to buy a home and all that stuff. So our parents knew this. Jeffrey's dad said, I'm going to Houston for a second interview, and if they offer this position to me, um, I we are going to go. And we would love that if you guys are going to move, why don't you join us? Because we had been part of his ministry and his his, um Jeffrey's mom, uh, since we started dating and talking to each other. So um, we said, sure, why not? Let's go. We can be with family. We can serve God and do the things that we um, are with our, use our abilities. So we moved to Houston. Uh, we moved to Houston in 2006. Seamus was just a baby. Layla was a little toddler. And um, we helped plant churches in various avenues. Um, I was remarking to um, Craig this morning as we were walking upstairs to the prayer room how wonderful it is to be in a church building. We have not been in a church building in a really long time. We've been in middle schools. We've been in um, um, a, a venue that used to be a tattoo parlor um, in the heart of Houston and in the center of the LGBT community there. Um, So we've done all kinds of things, even a clubhouse in a big master plan community. So it's wonderful to be with you guys here today. Um, So we continued to help church planting, 
Whenever Jeffrey's um, parents needed us, we were there for them. And we lived the suburban life, which was great, um, moving to the fourth largest city in the United States. And uh, Jeffrey did nursing, and the kids did MDO, and we did the parks, we did the splash pads, we did the mom's groups, we did all those kind of things. Um, But we were just running the rat race of life. We didn't see Jeffrey a lot because of nursing schedules. And... um, During this time, we discovered that Seamus, when he was just barely one, had a severe peanut allergy. We were eating Sunday dinner, and um, we broke out, he broke out in hives. Um, We quickly figured out what it was, we were able to handle it. But um, through the process of protecting our son and reading food labels, which is a job all in itself, um, Jeffrey started thinking to himself, I really want to grow food for my family. That's the best way that he knew how to protect his family was to grow food because I was shopping the perimeter of the grocery store. Seamus was also allergic to soy. So that cut out a lot of things in the middle of the grocery store, right? Um, so he's like, I can just, we could grow all these things for ourselves if we wanted to. We're not milking cows, but we can grow vegetables. We can raise meat and eggs and things like that. So he did a lot of research on his own before he even brought this up to me. He talked a lot with his coworkers. Um, He went to be a Houston master gardener. Um, We turned our suburban backyard, um, about a third or more of it, into raised beds, and we grew vegetables. Got a couple um, laying hens, totally against our HOA. Our neighbors didn't care. And so... Um, Jeffrey wanted to talk to me about this, about the starting a farm business, and I wanted nothing of it. It was nothing that we thought about. I just didn't want to talk about it or think about it or or dream with him. Well, obviously I gave in, um, and we started um, a farm. And through the process of figuring out how to start this farm, when he would talk with his coworkers and share what he was thinking, they all thought it was a fabulous idea because they wanted fresh eggs and fresh meat, right? And one of his good friends was um, a doctor who was a Jew, an Orthodox Jew, and um, he said to Jeffrey, I really need you to come meet my rabbi. Um, I I just need you to come meet my rabbi. And so Jeffrey's like, okay. So they talked about this farming thing and how the synagogue um, and all the families that were there could help um, us. And our very first customers, we delivered eggs every Sunday morning because we were planning a church on Sunday evening to um, the people in this, this synagogue. So when we were starting to figure out what were we going to call this farm, uh, because we knew enough that we needed to have a name, we needed to have a presence, we needed to get our story out there, we had to have our voice out there, we we were going to have products that we had to sell. Um, So the doctor's name and the rabbi's name were both named Barry. Um, so we named the farm the Berry Farm because it tells a great story, right? Um, so we did this. We started small. Um, we started with a few pigs because coworkers are like, if you raise a pig, can you raise one for me, right? So that's how it starts. Um, and then um, we did um, eggs. We had egg-laying chickens, and we got some bees. Um, we got access to more land, so we got some sheep. And then we moved to a bigger property, and we um, added uh, blackberries. We planted about an acre of blackberries. Totally not impressive to you guys. I know that. But in Houston, <laughs> it's a, it was a big deal. People, It was very hard to get fresh blackberries, although, you guys, ours were way bigger than the ones out here. We grew a specific variety for their size and their sweetness. 
But anyways, so we did this um, farming thing, and it led us down this journey of lots and lots of people. We did farm tours at our farm uh, where we invited people to come. You want to come by meat? Come to the farm. And you know what? It was probably about a 40-minute 45-minute drive for most people to get to where we were located just outside of Houston. And people said, sure, we'll come. We'd love to come. So we always took that opportunity to give them a tour. Do you want to know what we do and what we're about? So we would do this, and we would tell our story um, and how we started the farm. We would do farm dinners um, where we would have fancy, and yes, that's a real picture. We really did that. We had some help, um, but we had really um, beautiful, intimate farm dinners on our farm. And the thing that we quickly uh, realized was, yes, we were farming for food, and we were making food for families, but we were really farming for people. Um, Food is a great avenue to have wonderful conversations with people. I mean, conversations about life and what's going on in their family and in our family. So we really tried to take um, a hold of that, and that was something that was very important to us. Um, one of the things that we wanted to do was we wanted to reach out and find a way to give back to our community who was there. And as the crow flies, um, it, we could have walked there in 30 minutes. Um, there was the only um, emergency homeless shelter for teenage um, kids, actually nine, as young as nine to 18, in the county that we lived in, which is much like King County here. It's the biggest county, and it's actually the fastest growing county in the nation. Um, this was the only place for these kind of kids to have a shelter. These are kids who have horrible stories. Um, they've been neglected. They've been rejected. They've been betrayed. Um, and so they live at this place. And so we would invite them to the farm. We did farm dinners for them. We had them for Easter dinner. Um, We fed them ham, mashed potatoes, green beans, the things that we grew up eating. We did Easter egg hunts with them. We let them color eggs. We let them decorate cookies. And we told them why we're here to celebrate Easter. Um, And I'll never forget, I think it was last year that we did this, we invited the youth pastor from the church that we were attending in the town and said, will you please come just, don't give these kids a sermon, but just speak to them about Easter. And, of course, she spoke to them about um, uh, Jesus was dying on the cross and that he died for us and that he can forgive us and he is life. And she said all that. But she spoke to them about Judas and about betrayal. Um, and that was just in awe that here we were sitting with 20-ish um, teenage kids who probably most of them felt the same exact way. Um, and they loved it. It was a, it was a place for them. The director said, we need family for them. We need a place where they feel like they can be, um, part of a family. So we did this. Our kids did this with us. Um, our kids worked with us. They served with us. Um, they served the people at the fancy dinner and they helped us serve these youth, um, who had horrible stories. Um, we were truly, um, and still are, um, farming brings it into a different light, but we're truly a family on mission, or working together. We can't do it without them, and they can't do life without us. Um, and the farm is a great way for us to really uh, dig deep into that, which God set us up for because we're going to Zimbabwe. <clears throat> so um, during this time of farming, um, we had... Jeffrey and I had a lot of conversations. One of our goals in farming was that it could be something uh, that we could work on phasing Jeffrey out of nursing, and we could all do farming together 24-7. Jeffrey did both for many years, which was a lot of work. And uh, we sat down, and we crunched the numbers when we had enough years of um, the numbers, and we just didn't see how we were going to make it work. 
Um, so we kind of had these moments of like, what's next? Then what are we going to do? Are we going to keep living like this? Um, are we going to keep working opposite each other? Most of the time, I would say, some of the time together. It's not something that we didn't want to do. Well, during this time, I learned that my husband was called to be a missionary. <laughs> um, when he was in high school, he'll, I think you're going to talk a little bit more about that, but he was at a conference, and he clearly felt the Lord call him um, to be a, an international missionary. So we had a lot of conversations about this. And um, we started just just explore it, and we started to look for a sending agency to see who maybe would want to help send us. We couldn't do this on our own. And uh, we quickly found TEAM. Um, TEAM is a missionary sending agency that has been around for 127 years this year, I believe. Um, and they exist to help churches send missionaries. Um, they were very quick. We told them, do you have anywheres um, that needs a family who has nursing background, who has farming background, um, and who's church planters? Um, we kind of are entrepreneurs, um, worship leader. Uh, we've just done a variety of things. And um, they sent us to the leaders who are currently in Zimbabwe and said, I think you should talk to these people. We talked with them a few times, and they were like, we've been praying for somebody a family to come, and a family to come long-term, which we told them that we would serve long-term. What does long-term mean? I don't know. As long as we can stand and talk and those kind of things. As long as we're able to is really what it means. Um, So to hear them say that they had been praying for somebody was just confirmation for us and for them, too, that we had that package that they were looking for. Um, I get asked this, especially at the beginning, um, if I was called to be a missionary. I was not called to be a missionary. I'd never, ever felt that in my life. I had been on a short-term mission trip to Romania, um, and I've served God all of my life. Um, But I quickly learned um, that I have been called to a life of faithfulness. I cannot discount the last 15 years um, that we have been together um, and see how God has set us up for all of these things, all these life experiences um, and abilities and talents that he's given us and not say, okay, I'll go. Um, So um, I'm just holding fast to um, God never leads us to places that he doesn't want us to go to, um, and he does have a plan for us, and we just need to be faithful and to follow that. So I have been called to that life of faithfulness. Um, we were appointed by team. And by the way, we're leaving out a lot of stuff because we, to- we were told we have just a little bit of time to keep track of. Um, but we were appointed by team back in May, I believe, of last year. And we began the process of selling our farm, which was a huge task for us. Thankfully, during that time, Jeffrey's parents lived with us. Um, and it was a huge, huge godsend to us. They were so helpful to us during that time. Um, we actually went on a, vi- on a vision trip to Zimbabwe, which is something that team required of us and something that we wanted to do. The four of us headed off. We left dad as the power of attorney in case somebody wanted to sign a, a contract to purchase our farm while we were gone. And um, so we had estate sales. We had garage sales. We had to liquidate all of the frozen uh, meat that we had in our freezers and um, So we did that. We sold the farm. 
Um, God blessed us greatly. Um, and then we moved into the inner city of Houston. Um, we're very familiar with Houston. Even though we lived out in the country, we were always in the city doing deliveries, um, meeting new people. And so we moved into the heart of one of the old historic African-American communities there called the Third Ward. I don't even know if um, Seattle has wards, but Houston has lots of different wards. And we moved into the Third Ward. Um, we actually... Um, uh, through uh, some, a team um, employee, we learned about um, somebody who was doing ministry there. And he's like, we met him. He's like, what do you guys need? Jeffrey's like, we need a house to live in because we just sold our farm. He's like, I got one. So we did this. We sold almost everything that we had. All we have left fits in our SUV. And when we came here on a visit in October, um, I packed six suitcases that weighed 49 pounds each. Um, in preparation to move. So this is our transition here in Renton. That's why we're here. We're here with Jeffrey's parents. Um, Valley Church is going to be our sending church. They had been asking about us, asking to get to know us um, more and more, the more that mom and dad got to know the people there. And we were working on raising support in Houston, and it was going okay. Um, but we had this group of people who were like, what are they up to? What's next? What do they need? How can we help them? Are they coming to visit again? We want them to come speak. All those kind of things. So we said, well, if people are asking for us and want to help us, then let's go. And we also value the time that we have with Jeffrey's parents to be with family during this time of transition. So we are here working on raising support, working on building relationships with people, which is so key because we cannot do this without people who are behind us in a multitude of ways. Um, And um, so why Zimbabwe? Well, because we were called to be missionaries and because we said to them, we have these, um, these things to bring to you. Can you use them? And they said resoundingly, yes. And they asked us, will you please come? Um, they're, they always say to us, how quick can you get here? <laughs> um, so we're going because we were also asked by these people. Um, we will be working with the bishop there. Um, the Evangelical Church of Zimbabwe is about 40 50-ish years old, Um, and they have um, mission stations all throughout the rural rural areas in the different villages. Some of these mission stations um, have uh, clinics, medical clinics. Some of them have places to teach kids life skills. Um, They almost always have a church, and they have schools there as well. Um, But in the War for Independence, a lot of those places were bombed, and They're in shambles and rubble. Um, Looks like a war zone. Um, And so the bishop said, I need help. I can't get these back up and running by myself. My pastors are stretched thin, um, and I need people to come help me. So um, we said, okay, we'll come. Um, So that's what we're going to do. We are going to help the evangelical church there restart those mission um, stations, which will take a lifetime unless we can get a lot more missionaries to come and we can speed up the process. <laughs> um, but that's who we are, and that's um, what we're doing and um, why we're doing it. See why I love that story? I mean, I've heard her tell that more than once. I still am uh, crushed to hear that that's our tale. Um, 
thank you for bearing with us while we do that. I just want to take a little time and unpack a little of things. I know we only have a few minutes, so I'm going to give you, we're giving you the brief Reader's Digest version of this, but we want to answer the whole, why would you do this question? Or, and why, more importantly, why should we do it too? So we don't want to leave that hanging out there and just make this about us, because it's certainly not about us. We actually prize diminishing ourselves so that he can be elevated in this First thing I want to tell you is in the Christian Missionary Alliance, we cultivate missionaries and church planters. This is not haphazard. I am fifth-generation Christian Missionary Alliance. My mother can trace all the way back through Allegheny Center Alliance Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, four generations of Christian Missionary Alliance. You don't see missionaries and church planters standing before you just because of some lightning bolt from God that struck us and said, Zimbabwe, this is hundreds of years of family on mission. Not just my family is on this mission. My family before us was on this mission. And their family before them was on this mission. You're seeing a continuation of family on mission. This is, I just learned we were fifth generation. I knew, I, I only know three, but I just learned that. I was called um, to be a missionary through a life. You, you guys probably know this, that uh, every three years there's a for senior high kids, there's a life conference. Life stands for Life Investment for Eternity. I mean, wow, who sends their kids? For like, you're 15, go talk about your eternity. <laughs> but I was lucky enough to have my freshman and senior year be the three-year cycle, so I attended two of them. And at one of them, um, Dr. David Thompson, who is the son of Ed Thompson, who was martyred in uh, Vietnam during the Tet Offensive, uh, also another Elias family on mission, uh, was speaking, and he's uh, been a long-time doctor at Bangalore Hospital, an Alliance missionary, and, and basically a short version of his sermon was, well, why not you, kid? Like, speaking at Colorado State University of their basketball, they're filled with kids. Why not you? What keeps you from saying, yes, Lord, I'll go? And I instantaneously had a whole list of reasons why not. Uh, college, white picket feds, black dog, Tahoe, wife, two and a half kids, good job. I had a list. I mean, prepared, ready for why not me. And as he preached, my list got smaller and smaller. And he says, for those of you who are ready, come down front here with us. Come right down here and say, yes, Lord, I'll go whatever you need me. And I found myself down there, even though I was not... Uh, in agreement with this, really. The Holy Spirit's moving my feet down there, and I, there I am at the front, and I look around thinking, well, maybe I'll at least be with these, like, 12 other kids. Oh, man. You know, like, you're standing in front of 12,000, and there's 12 or 14 of you down there, and say, he must really be up to something here. So I went home and told my dad, Dad, guess what I did? I told uh, Jesus, I told the Lord that I would be a missionary and go wherever he sent me, thinking that my pastor dad would be like, yes! And he was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, What's this? It's just, just okay. I didn't know then, but I know now that my dad knew what we were signing up for, like, that you were signing up for all in. So it's easier for us parents to ask our kids to do the white picket fence, black dog, Tahoe. That makes sense to us. That's what our culture values. But when you say, Dad, I'm going to be a missionary, he knows one day you're going to go around the world and you're going to take your grandkids with him. So um, he knew what that meant. Since that time, we've had the privilege of planting churches in three separate states, Ohio, Vermont, Houston, all kinds of different contexts, rural, inner city, LGBT, Filipino, Hispanic, um, and I know I'm leaving out others, but um, 
It's been a privilege to plant churches alongside of him. We learn in the church how to be disciples by a bunch of different ways. One of them is this way, exchange of information. Some of them are apprenticeships. Come with me as I do. Some of them are by immersion. You just plop down in and you swim through it, right? I had the privilege of growing up from a pastor who taught me like this, and then he apprenticed me and says, walk with me and do as I do. Um, That's where discipleship teeth are cut, and I was blessed to have a dad and a mom who were on mission already with Christ who says, come with me and walk with me and do as I do. This is the first example, the New Testament example of family, right? So when we say family on mission, we mean our physical family, but we also mean our family. And I would draw this loop from Renton who says, we're with you, go ahead, go. Today, we're happy to expand our relationship from Renton to Union Hill and say, family on mission. Hear us, walk with us, immerse with us. So, In the Christian Missionary Alliance, we cultivate missionaries and church planters. Um, I, I humbly ask you that you would consider praying for your children that it's okay and give them permission if they're called to the Lord to be missionaries. Take your family and say, yes, Lord, I trust you with them. If you will have them, and if they are called, I will be strong enough to go with my family on mission. So um, I humbly submit that. Not only do we cultivate the Christian Missionary Alliance missionaries and church planters, we know that we are all called. I'm skipping over lots of things here, but you know Matthew 28, go make disciples. That was what our Lord told us his biggest priority was. Um, one of the prizes we picked up in Houston when we planted last was a holiday called Juneteenth. Anybody ever heard of Juneteenth as a holiday? Yeah, not very many. 44 states have this as an official holiday, but Juneteenth is a mashup of June 19th. It celebrates June 19th, 1965, and Houston is when the Emancipation Proclamation made it to Houston and freed the slaves. The reason why it's a cel- why we celebrate it as a holiday because it was two years late. They were freed two years earlier of the Emancipation Proclamation. They didn't even know it. But they didn't know it because nobody told them. So here they are, two years later, shows up. Oh, by the way, June 19th is a random day. By the way, did you all know that you guys are free? <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean we're free? Yeah, by declaration, the Emancipation Proclamation. Two years before, you're free. You're free. Enters in Juneteenth. Next year later, they purchased, Freedmen pooled their money, purchased what is now Emancipation Park. It was about a block away from where we moved to the Third Ward. That is the hub of Juneteenth. How will they know unless somebody goes and tells them? My dear friend, Amy Simpson, says this. I am debtor is the terse, homely, and practical sentence in which Paul sums it all up. It is not sentiment, it is not a notion, it is not a fad. It's not a, it is a debt, a matter of common honesty. It's a debt because my master has commanded me to give the gospel to all the world. It's a debt because the gospel has been committed to me as a trust and not as a personal selfish luxury. It is a debt because someone brought it to my fathers and I owe it to other races to pass it on to them. 
It is the supreme duty of every Christian to give to every human being in the present generation a chance for salvation, not only to, not to do it as the crime of Christianity, the unpardonable sin of the church of Jesus Christ. It is a sin of breach of trust. It is a sin of disobedience to the Lord's last command. It is a sin of soul murder and blood guiltiness. Is it your sin? Wow, those are pretty uh, terse words from our founder. But this was what was on his heart when he left his congregation and said, yes, I'll go. It's a duty, and it won't be on us if we don't do it, right? Zimbabwe's changed in the last six months. Um, they've gone through a political coup that was peaceful. They had a dictator for 30 years who said no to Westerners, no to Christianity. Anything that was white was not welcome because it represented Great Britain, their colonizers, and the American West, and those influences were not welcome. They didn't, he didn't want the dilution of his thought process. Well, since we have been appointed to Zimbabwe, he's gone. The country has opened wide up. And in response to the country opening wide up, Bishop Soda, the head of the church, says, will you come? Um, it's really what made us go. Not because we wanted to go to Zimbabwe, or we picked Zimbabwe, or we love Zimbabwe. We are loving Zimbabwe, by the way. It's because the call was, will you come and help us? You probably recognize those words, Acts 16. You're coming up on them, so I don't want to give it all away, but you're, you're coming up to this. This is a famous Macedonian call, and you'll know this, or Paul says, I wanted to go here, but I was blocked by the Spirit of Jesus. Not just you know, the Spirit. I was blocked by the Spirit of Jesus to go here. I tried to go here, and I was blocked. And in a vision, I hear a man from Macedonia say, will you come and help us? This is our story. This is how we got to Macedonia. So when I take, will you come and help us, and put it up against my founding father in the history of Helian saying, it is not only your obligation, it is your debt. Somebody gave it to you. Don't keep it to yourself. Send it on to them. This is where the Smith family found themselves in that crucible, saying, will you do that? And our answer was resounding, yes, yes, we will. But to do that, that's what it took giving up. It took giving up those beautiful things that you saw. It had a cost. This week we lost uh, Billy Graham. Um, team is uniquely tied with Wheaton College, and Billy Graham was an alum there. That's where his museum is. So when we left with MO, we got to tour the Billy Graham Museum. And there standing, as first as you walk in, is a banner of a Billy Graham quote. Some say there are many closed doors around the world. I'm not concerned about the closed doors. God has the power to open them in his timing. I'm concerned about the ones that are open and that we do not enter. Thank you, Billy, for those words. Put all that together in a, in a mind and a heart like ours, and our answer is, will you come and help us? Absolutely, we'll come and help you. How could I not? The cost. It's um, hard to stand in front of you and tell you that, yes, we will go, knowing that all we've done to get to a place even to say yes. Um, the first thing that happens when you say yes to the Lord is he begins to show you what is in your way of saying yes. And that is hard to tell you. If I'm vulnerable and honest with you, it's hard to see the things that keep me from him. It's hard to see the things that I have built that keep me from following him or saying yes to him. He took me through this pattern. 
call of Elijah. I'm going to skim through this for time's sake. Call of Elijah. Um, when Elijah was called by Elijah, his response was, he found, a, he found a farmer in the field. And his response was, he killed his oxen and burnt and broke down the plow and burnt it. No going back. Jesus called his first disciples in Matthew 4. He found them fishing. And he said, just leave your nets right there. and Come follow me. No going back. The cost of following Jesus, Matthew 8. But Lord, what do we do about the dead? Well, let the dead bury the dead. Just come with me. Lord, what do I have to do as a rich man to enter the kingdom? Keep all the commandments. Yeah, yeah, I did that, but there's got to be something else. Okay, there is something else. Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. He went away sad. Calling a Paul, Acts 9, also you're coming to. Go tell Paul, I want him. But by the way, let him know that I'm about to show him all he's going to suffer for in my name. What's the cost? It's always been the same. We didn't invent it. We're just doing it. The cost has been this. All in. All in. Nothing back. That's why everything we have fits in our SUV. Not because I think that's a great plan. It's a scary plan. But it's his plan. I sold the farm of our dreams. I liked my cowboy hat and my freedom and my crisp mornings and even my sweltering afternoons. I liked hay in the summertime. I liked newborn lambs. I liked that the newspaper came out and wrote articles about us, even though they were liberal but could not stop telling the story of a family in faith. I liked all these things. What did I have to give up? Everything. Because that's what he gave me. It's not mine. All in is the only way. My dear friend, A.B. Simpson, one last time. If Christ were here today, his willing feet would go to these dark, sad, lost lands. If Christ were here today, his hands would be stretched out to the perishing heathen as they were stretched out on the earth to the suffering of the lost. If Christ were here today, his voice would cry once more in the ears of the weary and the heavy laden, Come unto me, and I will give you rest. But Christ is not here today in literal flesh and blood. Christ has passed within those heavenly gates, and his hands and his voice are lifted up before the throne for you and for me. But he is asking for your feet, for your hands, for your voice. Oh, will you be the feet for him to go upon the mountains of darkness and sin? Will you be the hands of him to feed the perishing multitudes for whom his heart is moved with compassion? Will you be a tongue for him to tell of his love, his mercy, and his precious blood? Will you take the cross that has redeemed you and pass it on to your perishing brother? Will you take the cup of salvation that has quenched your burning thirst and hand it to the famishing children of the heathen world? Will you lay up in store this mighty recompense, some glorious day when he shall say, I could not go, but you went for me. I could not speak, but you spoke for me. Inasmuch as ye did it unto them, you did it unto me. Let me leave you with this final church planting thought on church planting Sunday. And thank you for hearing our story and for our heart. We know that our history very much binds us together. In the Alliance, this is not new news in the Alliance. This is old news in the Alliance. And I'm glad to be in an Alliance church, not in an Alliance tattoo parlor. <laughs> um, but we also know that our personal biography can be terrifying at times. Um, 
I know this leaves probably more questions than answers when I tell you this. And it's okay. We can walk through them together in this relationship that we're building together. It was late. I was on my heart this week when I was thinking about church planting and all the plants we had been in and all the things we had done and what we were about to do to plant churches in Zimbabwe and how we do this together, Union Hill, Valley, Smiths, Evangelical Church in Zimbabwe. And lastly, I would boldly and humbly submit, let's start planting churches where they're asking us to plant them. And do it with all the fervor we have. Um, I'll explain that next time I'm allowed to speak. But um, let's start saying no to the places where we want to plant. And let's start saying yes to the places that are saying, will you come and help us? I think A.B. Simpson would be proud of us for saying yes. I don't know what that all looks like, but yes, I will come and help. Yes, I know the cost, and yes, I will still come. We're going to, Renee is going to show you one of her other multi-talented sides now. I'm going to play something that's um, special to our heart, and I'm sure to yours too. Most A.B. Simpson songs are completely unsingable in that hymnal. (laughs) I mean... They make wonderful prose and horrible worship songs. But he got it right with this one. This is the one that, if I, I don't have any tattoos, but if I was going to have a tattoo, it would be of the Alliance logo. It's the modern-day St. Patrick's clover. Um, as Renee sings this song, and you sing it with her, consider this. Will you help us? I can't do this without you. This is not just my call. This is the call of the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is made up of disciples, learners, those that love him and share his heart. Is that this place? Is that this place that will join Valley in saying yes to this? Is that this place that, as A.B. Simpson would say, Give, give in faith, and then give in sacrifice where you don't even know where it's coming from yet. Um, let's, have, let's keep this conversation going. I like to have this conversation. Um, but as Renee plays, consider that, church. Thank you.